Ed Robertson, hoping you're enjoying this special encore presentation of our conversation with Rose Marie that originally aired in September 2012. Hi, this is writer director Joseph Darty, and you're listening to the award seeking show TV Confidential. Ed Robertson welcoming you to tonight's edition of TV Confidential. Radio talk show about television. Tony Figueroa and Donna Allen are here with us as we welcome the legendary Miss Rose Marie, a woman who has spent more than eight decades entertaining people, first as a child star, then as a radio star, singing sensation, vaudeville star, Broadway musical star, and then, of course, film and television star, including five years as Sally Rogers on The Dick Van Dyke Show, as well as 14 years on The Hollywood Squares. As a matter of fact, Rose Marie is the only member of the original Hollywood Squares to have been a part of all of that show's various reincarnations. For our listeners in Southern California, Rose Marie will be appearing at the California Women's Conference later this month as part of a panel discussion called The Legendary Ladies of Stage and Screen. We'll tell you more about that in just a second. Rose Marie has also written a wonderful book, in case you're not aware of it, called Hold the Roses. Hold the Roses, that provides, as Carl Reiner puts it, both a child's eye view and an adult's eye view of her long and distinguished show business career. With that in mind, we began our conversation by telling Rosemarie, I read your book. Did you like it? I certainly did. You know, it's amazing. I wrote that, I wrote every word of that book. And nothing was edited, nothing was everything, I just wrote it as it came to me, and everybody likes the book, which surprises the hell out of me. Well, I'm not a writer. Yeah, but you're a great storyteller. And what I love about your book, Rosemary, is that I feel like I am sitting uh, sitting in your kitchen, having a cup of coffee with you, and you and I are just chatting. <laughs> and and well, I'm glad you like the book. Yeah. What is it like to live your entire life in the public eye. What do you mean? You've been in show business ever since you were a little girl. Three years old. I started when I was three years old. I didn't do too much before that. I just hung around the house. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, my mother loved show business. Neither one of my parents were in show business, but my mother loved show business. She used to take me to all the shows. Now, 14th Street in those days, given my age away, mm-hmm. in those days was the 42nd Street of today. And they had theaters and, and they had, and all the action was on 14th Street. So my mother used to take me to the Academy of Music, the Jefferson Theater, to see the shows. I used to come home and we lived in a railroad flat on 17th Street in New York. And I used to do everything that I saw from my grandparents and then I'd go upstairs and do it for the people upstairs. They were my audience. And then my mother laughed and thought it was wonderful until the people upstairs entered me in a contest at the Mecca Theater on 14th Street. And my mother said, I don't know whether she'll do it in front of people. I mean, this is family. 
I don't know whether she'll do it in front of a lot of people in the theater. And they said, don't worry about it. She'll be fine. She loves it. And they got me the dress, and they bought me the brocaded Mary Jane shoes, all of which are in the Smithsonian Institute. And naturally, a three-, four-year-old child with a voice like I have, <laughs> this day, I won the contest. I sang, what can I say to you after I say I'm sorry? And I, I won the contest, naturally. A kid, four years old, singing like that. Mm -hmm. And I ran off, and that's how I decided to write the book. I ran off, and somebody threw a bouquet of red roses in one arm, and somebody threw a bouquet of red roses in the other arm, and I heard the audience saying, Bring the kid back. We want the kid to sing. Bring the kid back. And I threw down the roses, and I said, Hold the roses. i got to take my bow. <laughs> <laughs> And it's been like that ever since. <laughs> and we're very happy to talk to you today. Well, I, I guess I just love the whole thing. Rosemarie. Yeah. When did baby Rosemarie become Rosemarie? Well, you know how I became baby Rosemarie. Uh-huh. You read the book. Yes. Yeah. You know that Evelyn Nesbitt named me baby Rosemarie. Mm-hmm. You know that story? I do, but for the yeah. benefit of listeners who may not have read your book yet, would you please tell us that? All right. I think I won $20 at that contest, and we all went to Atlantic City. And in those days, nightclubs used to you could bring your family, kids and family, because they had a, a nice show, a chorus line, dressed properly, and a comic and a singer and a dancer, maybe. And so we went to see the show of which Evelyn Nesbitt was the star. And she was the star because of the scandal that she was in where her husband shot her boyfriend or something. So we went to see the show, and she started to sing, and I, of course, started to sing with her from the table. And she, being a very smart lady, picked me up and brought me on the stage with her. And we finished the song together. People threw money on the stage and on the floor. And I think it's the most money my mother ever got. And I ran off and she said to my father, what is her name? And he said, Dainty Rosemarie. And she said, she's a baby. Call her Baby Rosemarie. And that's how I got the name of Baby Rosemarie. And I was Baby Rosemarie till I was about 15 and uh, changed it to Miss Rosemary. Then changed it as I got older to just Rosemary. I think I was the first one to just use one name. I have a question for you, uh, Rosemary, but I want to start with a little praise of you before I get to the question. All right. All right, yeah. <laughs> if you don't mind. <laughs> uh, when I look over your career, I see a child performer who made a transition into an adult performer. I also see a radio performer who made a transition into television. And I see a woman in comedy at a time when people said women aren't funny. Okay. So my question is, when you were breaking this ground over and over and over again, did you realize that you were 
creating showbiz history, or was you just looking for the next gig? I just I just went from one thing to another. In fact, somebody mentioned the other day that all the child stars that we had at that time, nobody did anything after they hit their peak. I just kept on going. I went from one thing to the next. From radio, I had my own radio show when I was five years old, Coast to Coast, on NBC. I was signed by NBC to a contract, and they said... They had RKO theaters all across the country, and so they sent me on tour to prove I was a child (laughs) across the country, and I played every RKO theater across the country. I had the most wonderful education because everything I was supposed to learn in school, I was there doing it. Mm -hmm. I signed the Alamo. I think I'm the only one that signed it twice. (laughs) (laughs) And I did a whole tour of theaters to prove I was a child. Then I came back and uh, did another uh, radio show, The Tasties. The first one was for Junior's Grocery Shoes. And this is funny. The program on WJZ, 10.15 in the morning, 12.15 in the morning, Sunday morning. A piano player, me, and an announcer, and the sponsor was Junior's Grocery and Shoes. They had one store in New York. They still have the store there. It's across the street from Lord and Taylor's on Fifth Avenue. But what I never understood was that my program was coast to coast. And they only had one store in New York. (laughs) And it's still there. It's still there, which is amazing. So from that, I did another program called Tasties, which was a candy for children who wouldn't eat, Mm -hmm. believe it or not. (laughs) And I did that for another year or two. And then I got into the awkward age, as they called it, 13, 14 and didn't do anything until I was 16 and started playing all the nightclubs and had a hell of a nightclub act. And I used to play the Shapery in Chicago and the uh, Copacabana in New York, mm-hmm. the Latin Quarter, the Palmer House, all the best places. I was one of the big headliners in nightclubs at that time. And then I got married and came to California with my husband, and nobody knew who I was in California because the West Coast never knows what the East Coast is doing. Got booked into Slapsy Maxis, which was the place in California, and started to do my nightclub act, and that's how that happened. And little by little, I was I wound up doing comedy, talking, in my act, which later became stand-up, as, as they call it. But I used to just talk, and it's like that's what I do half the time now. <laughs> <laughs> and, you're, and, and you're doing a great job. You're still doing a great job. Hey, for well, a- I did a, a, it's very funny. I worked at Four Girls Four, you know that. Yes, yes. With, with Rosemary Clooney. That was a great, great show. Mm-hmm. And... I was doing comedy and, and my act, which was singing and kidding around and stuff like that. 
and got to really do comedy more than anything. And uh, I worked at Stravsky Maxis, and they, uh, the guy from the Hollywood Reporter, Billy Wilkinson, came over and said to me, uh, we want you to go to Vegas. I said, what's Vegas? <laughs> <laughs> and he says, we're opening a new club. Oh, I said, oh. He says, with Jimmy Durante and Xavier Cougat. Well, see, I used to, I'm not an impressionist, but I used to do a little bit of Durante in my act as a, as a gag. Mm -hmm. And Jimmy, God love him, used to teach me how to do him, how to inflect everything. In fact, the last thing he taught me was how to play the piano like him, which is strictly 1914 jazz. Mm -hmm. So we became very, very close friends, and his wife, Margie, used to say, I did the best Durante of them all. So anyway, it got to be a thing where I did a little bit of Durante in my act, and then all of a sudden I wound up doing a, old song about Jimmy and I used to go to Jimmy and say what can I do next and so I had material written for me by my writers and Maury answered them who did most of the writing for me by the way mm -hmm. and he was a great great writer comedy writer that, that's what he was before he, he became such a good actor mm -hmm. and he wrote I've been in love with Jimmy Durante I like, wish I could sing like Durante. These were all numbers all by themselves, which I had to do and change every year because I worked the Capitol Theater in New York every year, and I would have to come in with a new Durante number. We are talking to the one and only Rose Marie. Our conversation with Rose Marie originally aired in September 2012. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. Donna? I have a question. You just mentioned Maury Amsterdam. You have known him for a very, you knew him for a very, very long time. He was a very important part of your professional life. And can I say your personal life? Is that an accurate statement? Maury and I knew each other from the time I was nine years old. I came to California when I was doing these tours. I wound up in California and I did a show at the Shrine Auditorium. And everybody was after me to sign a contract and stuff. I did the Al Pierce show, which was a radio show that Maury was on. We met and we became close friends. He lived in New York. I lived in Jersey. And uh, he used to write material. Now, Maury was known in show business as a writer and had a great sense of humor. Then uh, he decided he was going to become a comic figuring he could write for Fanny Bryce and, and Fred Allen and everybody. He could be funny himself. So he became a comic. But nobody knew him except the people in show business. So when I got called for the Van Dyke show, see, I'd been friends with Danny Thomas. I opened up for him at the Martinique when he came in from Chicago as the great white hope of nightclubs. Mm -hmm. And I opened the show for him at the Martinique, and we became very good friends. And when he came to California, uh, naturally everybody sort of flew to California. I would see him, and I'd be working Vegas, and they would come and see me. And Sheldon Leonard, 
used to say to me, don't you ever bomb? And I said, I'm not to, you know. And I said to Danny, when am I going to do your show? I said, because everybody and his brother is doing your show. Make room for Daddy. Mm -hmm. I want a guest shot. He says, your time will come. Your time will come. So to make a long story short, I get a call one day from the casting office. He says, they want you down at the Desilu see Danny Thomas. I said, oh boy, I finally got a guest shot. She says, no, this is for a new show called The Dick Van Dyke Show. I said, what's The Dick Van Dyke? <laughs> <laughs> and she says, just go down there. So I met Carl Reiner for the first time. Sheldon Leonard, who was the producer, said to Carl, he, and in front of me, which I was very proud, he said, if you want the best, get Rosemary. Wow. I didn't read. I didn't do anything. I had the part. And I said, who have you got for the third writer? And they said, we haven't picked him yet. I said, what about Maury Answer then? I said, he knows every joke in the world. He's used to be a writer. He's got a great sense of humor. He'd be perfect. What's his name? What's his, where does he live? And I gave him all the info. I came home and I called Maury. I said, they're going to call you for a new show called the Dick Van Dyke Show. And he said, what's a Dick Van Dyke? <laughs> I said, just get your ass out here. <laughs> he said, I'll be there Monday. I'll call you. He walked in. He didn't do anything. They said, okay. He was fine. He didn't read. He didn't do anything. They just said he was perfect. And so Maury became world famous because of the Dick Van Dyke show. And I got him the job. <laughs> <laughs> did you get commissioned? <laughs> no. no. I am. I guess I did. Yes, I did. I became his daughter's godmother. Oh, it's nice. Did you realize that the Dick Van Dyke show would be such a groundbreaking well, show? We, we knew he had a good show. But we didn't know that it was going to become such a phenomenal thing because we we went to a dinner last year, I guess, of all the critics in in the country, and they voted the Van Dyke Show the best show of all time on television. Reasonably so. Yeah. I think it's the best thing that ever happened. It was wonderful for me. Tell us, Sally. Sally, to me and say. Because of you, I became a writer. I became the first woman's liver because I was making the same money the men were making, and I was treated as an equal. So it, it did a lot for women. You're listening to an interview with Rose Marie that originally aired in September 2012 here on TV Confidential. Take a quick time out, play more of our conversation on the other side of this. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. 
This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.